Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we take the Word of God and preach a timely message from the pulpit of Victory Baptist Church of Fallon, Nevada. Uh, No, but it's so good to see you here this morning. Thank you for being with us. Um, So today is our seventh message in the series that we've been looking at, Come Closer, Seven Commands to Draw Closer to God. You know, everybody needs reminders sometime, right? I don't know about you, but when my life gets busy and stressed, or I'm tired, or I'm sick, I I tend to forget things. Or when I'm standing at the pharmacy counter waiting to get medicine for one of the kids, and the pharmacist says, what's the date of birth? And I just stare at them blankly. Oh, uh, sorry, I have five kids. I have to think through all their birthdays one at a time. And, and, uh, you know, I have to explain all that to them so they don't think that I'm just crazy, you know. Um, You also have those people that that have sticky notes everywhere. Uh, I'm not that kind of person. I'm the kind of person that text messages myself, text messages, and then I forget that I text myself text messages all right so i I have a trouble with memory sometimes uh we all probably struggle with that um uh, remembering things all of this points to the part of our subject today as we come uh, to this come closer remember and repent when we come to revelation chapter two it begins the seven letters to the seven churches of asia Now, we're only going to look at the first church today, the church of Ephesus. Uh, This was the most prominent of all the churches that John was writing to. Um, This church was established in Asia Minor, and if it still existed today, it would have been found in the modern uh, country of Turkey. The church of Ephesus was first mentioned in Acts chapter 18. Paul has established this church on a second missionary journey. And then about 10 to 15 years after Christ had ascended to heaven, this is where this church comes into existence. Uh, on, um, on Paul's third missionary journey, he spends two to three years in Ephesus teaching them against false doctrine and seeing many in the city come to know Christ, so much so that the people selling idols were upset Because people weren't buying idols anymore. Um, And they chased Paul out of the city. Paul was known for doing those kind of things. Ten years after being chased out of the city, Paul wrote his letter to the church of Ephesus. And praised them for their faith and love. He saw this church continuing in what had been taught to them. and, And one that was blossoming and furthering the kingdom of God. However... A few years later, Paul tells Timothy to stay in Ephesus and to teach against false doctrine that had began to creep into the church and their love for pointing out their genealogies and uh, a point of pride to talk about where they had come from. And do we not see that happen today? Do we not see that in the modern day church? Well, I can trace my I can trace my heritage all the way back to Jesus Christ. This particular church and this particular denomination, and we have all this pride. This is the very kind of things that Paul was preaching against and teaching Timothy to teach against. 
By the time we reach Revelation chapter 2, the church that Paul had once praised for their love and faith has now left their first love and became more focused on doing the things the right way than they were about doing things with the right spirit. And this is what God had to say to them in Revelation 2, 5. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and I will remove the candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. As we've been looking at come closer, the seven commands all point us to coming closer to God. Every command was to bring us closer in our relationship with God. But just as life's business and busyness and stresses and duties sometimes cause us to forget our earthly plans, so can what we consider spiritual duties cause us to forget God's spiritual plans for our life. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the message. God, I trust that you've given this message for such a time as this. That, Lord, you had ordained this uh, months ago when we started to pray and ask you for guidance and direction for what you would have us preach. Lord, we trust that your word will be preached today and that we will be open to hear it. That, God, we allow the Spirit to guide us and direct us as individuals. And, Lord, if there are areas that we need to stop and step back and remember where we came from in your saving grace and repent and return to the love that we once had that you will allow us to do so, God. God, if there's anybody here that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that today they would enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ And God, we would praise you and thank you for it. Now bless your word as we dig into it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, I just closed out my message, so give me a second. There we go. Uh, The first thing I want us to see is I want us to see their call to remember. Their call to remember. Um, A few weeks ago, we looked at God's call for us to love Him with everything. Right? It, 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 was a, it was the greatest command that was given to us. And the second command is equal to it. That we're to love others as we love ourselves. If we love God right, we're going to love people right. With that in mind, I want us to look at what God's problem with the church of Ephesus was. In Revelation 2, 4, it says, Nevertheless, I have someone against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. Now, we're going to go back to the, the, the book of Ephesians here in just a minute. And we're going to see that this church, they started out right. Like many of us, when we first came to know Christ as our Savior, man, we started out on fire, in love with God and everything that He did for us. But as time has gone on, it's possible that we've left our first love. That we've become all about doing rather than being who God has made us. We become all about all these righteous works 
but without the righteous spirit that is to indwell us and to guide us and to direct us. The very next word that God uses in verse number five is the word remember. What is it that they're to remember? They're to remember from where they have fallen. They have abandoned the love that they first had. Let's look exactly why God is calling them to remember their first love by looking at what Paul wrote to them in the book of Ephesians. The first thing we see underneath this call to remember is we see the call of all Christians has always been to love. The call of all Christians has always been to love. Ephesians 1.4 According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Now, there's some people that will take this passage and say, well, uh, it says that, that, that God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. So that means that God's choosing people to be saved before the foundation of the world. God knows that, but that's not what this verse says. It says, according as He has chosen us in Him. In who? In Christ. And what has he chosen us to do? That we should be holy and, with, uh, and without blame before him in love. What is this choosing that he's given us? He says every person who comes to know Christ as their Savior has been chosen to be holy and to be blameless before him in love. It is our duty to be holy. It is our duty to love. Why? Because as Christians, that's what we're called to do. This is a command that's been given to us. This is the purpose of why he saved us. To be set apart. Why? So that we can show others their need for Christ. And that we can call them in the same love that God has called us to salvation. Not only do we see the calling of all Christians has always been to love. The testimony of this church in Ephesus was faith and love. Ephesians 1.15 Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints. So Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. This is the church that he started. He's been away from it for a little while. 10 to 13 years he's been away. And he's saying, hey listen, I'm hearing from others about your faith and your love. And he's pleased with it. He's happy with it. You know, uh, we support quite a few missionaries as a church. And we love to hear what God is doing in other parts of the world. And what God is doing through the finances that we've sent to others to reach the world for Christ. But you know what I also know? I also know those missionaries that we support, they like to hear what God is doing in our community. They like to hear a good report of the things that we are doing. So Paul is proud of this church because they have grown in faith. They are showing the love of Christ. He's heard of these things. And it's it's a a testimony for Christ. And, And this is the testimony that we should have as well. If we know Christ is our Savior, others ought to be saying, you know, that's a person that has real genuine faith. Man, I've watched them go through hard times. I've watched them go through good times. And you know what I see in them? They have a faith in God that is unwavering. But we should also be known by our love. 
we should also be known by our love. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by the way that you love one another. But you know what? A lot of times we look at that and think that that's just applying to how we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. But if you remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and might, and love your neighbor as yourself. A neighbor is not just saved people. Uh, I, I tell you something that I've been really challenged with um, as we've been. So I'm, I'm in the fiddler on the roof. We're having a great time. It's a lot of fun. Yesterday was just amazing, um, but not because of being part of the play. Getting to sit down with people, and I know that they're coming from different faiths, but sit down and talk to them. And they say, you know what? We're so glad that you're in our community. We're so happy that you're here. I'm happy I'm in this community. And I'm thankful that I was able to be a part of something in our community. Why? Because I want others in our community to see the love of Christ through me. Now, that's not selfish. That's not bragging. Because, let's face it, we all probably struggle to love people the way that we're supposed to at times. And I do as well. There are people that get on my nerves. And I'm willing to admit that. And I better do a better job of showing Christ's love even to them. Because that's what God has called us to do. This is our calling. And so, just like they had a testimony as a church that was full of faith and love, as individuals we should have that testimony, but you know what? As a church we also ought to have that testimony. When people look at Victory Baptist Church, they ought to say, you know what, that's a church that has genuine faith, in Jesus Christ, and in His Word, and they're unwavering from this Word, but you know what? They also love others. They love this community. Uh, There's an opportunity here in just a few weeks uh, at the end of April. um, There is a day that uh, someone has set aside, I just got some information on it, called Love Fallon Day. It's a day for us to go into the community and to help clean up the Veterans Park or go to um, uh, the in-care facilities and go spend some time with people there. Uh, There's some things that need to be cleaned up around one of the schools. And they're setting up this day for people from the community to come out and to come support the community and show their love for the community. And I'm going to tell you right now, as Victory Baptist Church, we better have a good representation there. Because you know this has been my heartbeat for us as a church. It's what I've said for two and a half years. Hey, we need to be part of our community. We need to be in our community. We need to take every opportunity to show our community the love that we have for this community. Why? Because it should be a reflection of the love of Christ in us to our community. Jesus was always part of the communities he was in. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been on a hillside feeding 5,000 people or feeding 4,000 people, or going out and healing people, or going out and and, and speaking with children. He was a part of the community that he was in. He didn't shut himself in the synagogue, just like we shouldn't shut ourselves in the church and only live in the box of the church. We better be part of our community, and we better have a testimony of faith and love. But you know what? They also loved people from the example of God's love towards them. Ephesians 2, 3 through 5. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, 
even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherein he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, and offer a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. I, I want you to think about what's being written here as, we're, as we continue in this passage, as we continue in this message and with this thought. They had recognized where they came from. They knew that they had walked as children of wrath just like everybody else around them were walking that way. And it's important for us to remember that. That we were in that same place. Why? Because if we don't, we become self-righteous. And we're going to see this is what happens to this church in Ephesus. They've forgotten that they were saved from being children of wrath. And they thought, well, look at us. Look how good we are. And they puffed themselves up with pride. And God threatened and said, if you don't change your ways, this church will be wiped out of existence. We also see that the foundation of this church was love. Their example was from God's love towards them, and then their foundation was love. Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Do you know how we ought to function as a church? In love. That last verse that we looked at, the whole picture that it's giving us is how our bodies are joined together by muscles and by bones and by joints and by all of these things. And, and, and he's saying, this church is to grow the same way that the body grows. That we're to become more united. That the joints and the muscles and the sockets and everything ought to fit together. And how does that happen? By edifying one another in love. You, you see... I'm afraid a lot of times, and again, I, I, I try not to bash us as a country. I'm thankful for the freedom that we have. I, I am. But you know, with that freedom becomes a lot of um, wrong perspectives. Especially in the church. We are so individualized in this country that we think that we have the right to have the opinion for ourselves no matter what it is. Well, you know what? I just don't like the way that you're doing things, so I'm just going to get away from you. Well, that's not edifying and building up in love. Can we disagree on things and still love and edify one another? Absolutely. 
But when we look in uh, many churches in our, in our world today, they are so disunified. Why? Because they're missing what the pur- purpose of the church is. Well, I have my rights. Well, give up your rights. The only right that you have as a Christian is the right to have no rights. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's supposed to be the one who's ruling and reigning in our life. We're to give up our rights to Him. God, you've given everything for me. You gave me salvation. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is what he's called us to. The only reasonable thing that we can do is say, God, here's my life because of what you've done for me. But we're still sitting in our corners over here saying, well, you know what? I just don't like that person sitting on that side of the church. And you know what? I I, I don't care how they think I feel about them. When it should be, you know what, God, God, that's my brother and sister in Christ. And you commanded me to edify in love. And that's the very foundation of what the church is even supposed to be. Because guess what? There would be no church if it hadn't been for God so loved the world. That is the foundation of who we are. Because Jesus Christ had set the foundation by him dying on the cross, being buried and rose again. Without him, there would be no church. Peter understood this. When he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes on and says, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What was it that he was building his church on? Not on Peter, but on the testimony that Jesus was the son of the living God. And had come to die on the cross and love us so that we could have salvation. And yet there's so many other things that we built church's foundations on well you know what this is my opinion about what the bible says here so we're going to build a foundation on that well you know what this is what they believed back in 1605 and this is what we followed for all these years so we're going to build our foundation on that now is it wrong for us to have traditions no is it wrong for us to have built on foundations that other people have laid. No, not at all. The Bible gives us foundation. It gives us foundational doctrines. But we better know this word. Because there's a lot of times that we take the foundational doctrines and we begin to add our own opinion to it, and our own thoughts to it, and our own uh, traditions to it, and we start to walk away from our first love. I don't have a problem with things that we do traditionally. But when that tradition starts to overtake what the Bible actually says, we better throw the tradition out. And we better follow what the Word of God says. Not only do we see that their foundation was in love, they lived their faith by how they loved. Boy, Pastor, you're talking about an awful lot about love today. Why? What is God? We could never 
no love unless God is love. This is the only way that we're able to know love. We love Him because He first, He taught us what love is. Ephesians 4, 2 and 3, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. They lived their faith by how they loved. How do we see that? Well, what do we see? They lived with lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, why? Because they were forbearing one another with love. And then, then you know what the result of forbearing one another in love is? Unity. There is no, nothing more divisive than when we come to political season. Right? It is such a divided thing. We live in a country that's divided. We have... Uh, different for what we label races of people. We're all people. We're all humans. There are no races. But we have racial division. We have division that happens within churches because of our own opinions. Which shows that we're not building the church in love like we ought to. I said this a, a few weeks ago. And it's something I heard, I, I, I was listening, there's a man by the name of Kenny Baldwin. Kenny Baldwin is an African-American man who started a church just outside of Maryland. And uh, I, I've been listening to some things that he has to say. He's very conservative. He, he would be somebody that we would welcome into our church. You know, he, he, he's, uh, he, he would, he's planted a church similar to our church. But he said, you know, here's the thing, when it comes to division even, he said, you realize that you have more, if you're a Christian, you have more in common with a saved Democrat than you do an unsaved Republican. And yet we divide. And we fight. And we scuttle and have skirmishes between, between each other and argue and... And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to come up here in our pulpit and say, oh, this is who you ought to vote for. It's, it's not my job. I'm going to preach the Word of God. I'm going to teach the Word of God. We're going to leave the politics out of the pulpit. Now, does that mean that I don't have my own leanings? Sure, I do. And if you ask me my personal leanings, I might tell you. But if it gets to a place where it's going to cause disunity among my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not worth speaking of. We see that this was a church who truly loved God and they loved others. But things changed. And this is why God called them to repent. Number two. Number two. This is our last point. We're just about done. So we, we saw... The call to remember. Now we see their call to repent. This call to repentance wasn't a repentance to salvation. Uh, it, it's interesting because what was the very first message we preached? 
in this series. Repent and believe. But you know what? Even in the life of believers, there's a call to repentance. When we've lost our way, when we walked away from that first love, when we stopped acting like Christ, when we've stopped following His will, when we stopped being united as a church, and we're not just talking about Victory Baptist Church, I'm talking about the body of Christ church. There's a call to repentance. This call to repentance wasn't a repentance to salvation. It's a turning back from a dangerous course of life and back to God. The church of Ephesus had strayed far away from its foundation of love and became focused on um, preserving a correct doctrine, eliminating false teachers, and standing strong under the pressure of persecution. And while these things are not necessarily wrong, the heart behind what they were doing is, look, there's nothing wrong with us standing up for doctrine. We ought to. There's nothing wrong with calling out false teaching. We ought to. But the problem is, is when we become having this attitude of, they'll never know God. When it should be, let's teach doctrine so that we can point people to God. Yes, are they teaching false things over here? Yes, but you know what? We ought to be pointing them to the truth. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We ought to be pointing them to truth. Why is it that I enjoy sitting around and talking to people that maybe be from other religions or or other faith groups? Yesterday I enjoyed it because I love to talk about the Bible. And I love to point them to the truth. And you know what? I didn't have to sit there and get all mean about it. I didn't have to get all self-righteous. I didn't have to act like I was better than them. I just kept on saying, you know what? Jesus Christ died for us. We have to have faith in Jesus Christ. He's given us a spirit to guide us and direct us if we know him as our savior. Hey, you know what? I believe that, that Jesus Christ said, I am not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Hey, I I believe that the word of God has shown us that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he has saved us. And I'm not doing it in a way to look like I'm just a hater. I'm not doing it with this attitude of I'm better than you. What had happened in Ephesus was they started on the right foundation. They were doing things by faith and by love. But they got to the place where they were so concerned about doing everything right. That if you weren't doing right, you weren't welcomed. If you hadn't grown to that place in your faith, then you might as well not come to this church because you're not going to be welcomed. Every church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ should be a church that anybody is welcome to come into. That no matter what their lifestyle is, no matter how they're dressed, they ought to feel welcomed to come in. Now, pastor, are, are, are 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 you being an affirming pastor? No. 
Why? Because I recognize that sinners need a Savior. And lives don't change until you come to know the Savior. And even then, it's a growing process. And it takes time. And we're going to struggle with things. And we're going to fight with things. And we're going to have that old flesh that pops up in us. But every church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ ought to be welcoming to anybody. Even if they're a false teacher. Yeah, even if they're a false teacher. Am I going to bring a false teacher up here to preach from the pulpit? Absolutely not. But I'm going to love them. And I'm going to show them Christ from the word of God. And I might spend some time with them. I've, I've developed friendships this week. Over these last few months. I plan on saying, hey, why don't we go have lunch together? I want to talk to you some more about Jesus. I want to talk to you some more about what I've been learning from God's word. You know what's really amazing? Is I'm talking to some of these uh, uh, that are there. And they, they, they come from this religion that, that is a very moral religion. And, and, and you know, they're, they're very moral people. And, and they have very high standards. And they want, uh, they're very, a very family-oriented place. And I was telling a, a guy yesterday, I said, here's what I'm learning. Even as a pastor myself, I just want to go to the Word of God. And I want to recognize the Word of God. And when my traditions don't line up with the Word of God, then I probably not need to stop following tradition. And I make, need to make sure that as I'm reading the Word of God, I'm reading it with the Spirit speaking to my heart, rather than from a Baptist perspective or a Protestant perspective or a Christian perspective. I, I ought to do it because the Lord Jesus Christ has saved me and His Spirit indwells me. And I ought to be reading the Word of God saying, Spirit, speak to me and show me what your word says because here's the thing i know when i allow the holy spirit to do that guess what i'm not going to do i'm not going to find in things in there that fit my opinion necessarily because the word of god is not of any private interpretation he's always going to lead me to what is right if i'm allowing the spirit to lead guide and direct me and sometimes we tend to read the bible the way that our denomination has taught us to read the Bible. And let me tell you, when we stop doing that, oh boy. (laughs) Is it a challenge? Oh boy, does it say, maybe we need to shake up your foundation a little bit because you didn't build on the right things. You know why our focus... In 2024 for the church is foundations. Because we better be building the church on the right foundation. And uh, I've shared this on Wednesday nights. Uh, The other week I was studying and I was reading about baptism. and Really just studying baptism. And we have so emphasized water baptism. That we really neglected the Holy Spirit baptism. That happened at the moment of salvation. To the place where I'm sitting there and I'm reading and I'm like, I feel betrayed. I feel deceived. Then all my training, we so emphasized water baptism, which is a wonderful thing. And it is a doctrine. And it's a great thing. But we never emphasize the spirit baptism. And I failed to understand what great privilege we have in the Holy Spirit indwelling us. 
And it was given to us at the moment of salvation. And it was the greatest gift outside of salvation that we could ever have. And yet our churches have been silent about it. Why? Because somebody twisted it and made it a false doctrine. So we're afraid to touch the word of God and say, well, look what the Bible says about being baptized in the spirit. Oh, you're one of those people. No, I want to follow God's word. And we as a church ought to follow God's word. And the church of Ephesus had gotten to the place where they stopped being spirit-led and they started being self-righteous-led. And it goes a long ways with what we looked at last week. Abide in me. And I will abide in you. Repent. Remember and repent. Don't live in our self-righteousness. We have forgotten that righteous works without love is nothing more than chaff in the wind. Jesus tells the church at Ephesus plainly, repent from this attitude or the church will not last. Without doing the right things in love, their good works meant nothing. Remember what we said last week? As the body without the spirit is dead, this is what James says, so faith without works is dead. The church of Ephesus had gotten to the place where they were going through the motions of righteousness. But they did it completely devoid of the Spirit. And it showed because Jesus said, you have left your first love. I'm afraid that as individuals we become much like the church of Ephesus. In our quest to be righteous, we've forgotten that righteous works without love is nothing more than chaff in the wind. It doesn't point others to Christ and His love. It points to self-love and to self-righteousness. It's a matter of pride rather than a matter of sincerity. So here's the question. Have you lost your first love? We need to remember our roots. We need to recall our heritage. Reconsider our foundations so that we do not stray away from the love that we first had for God, for people, for unity, for the gospel, and for good works. I don't know about you, but I remember the day I came to know Christ as my Savior, August 9th, 2002. When I received Christ as my Savior... Man, I was excited. I wanted everybody to know that I loved God and that He loved me and that He saved me. I wanted to see a, 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 a revival sweep across the youth in our church and, and, and people turn back to Christ. I wanted to see a unity and a love in the church like we had never seen before. Why? Because that's what God had called us to. And I had experienced that love for the very first time when I received Christ as my Savior. I had grown in church all of my life. 
But I didn't understand the love of God until I received him as my Savior. But you know what I've also watched in my lifetime, in my own life, how often I've left my first love. How often I've done things out of self-righteousness. How often I've done things to make myself feel good. But that's not the first love that God's given me. And I need to return to that first love. That same type of love that I felt at the moment of salvation. Thank God He does that in our hearts and our lives. If you found yourself straying from the love that you first had, will you ask God to help you remember your first love? And if so, will you repent and turn back to the foundation that your faith started on? Come close to God today. Remember and repent. Remember and repent. With head bowed.